What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the 1% podcast. I'm joined by an incredible um, woman, incredible woman who I followed for a long time. I've been stalking. This is that weird thing. You know, you know, we know of somebody like been stalking her for a while. So I'm joined by Danny. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brandon. No worries. But if anyone who doesn't know you, whatever's going on, just a bit of info. Who are you? What do you do? Maybe a bit of a backstory as well. Yeah, so I first got into sort of the fitness industry in 2016. That was the first year that I stepped on stage. So I started off as a personal trainer, started my personal training career on the gym floor in 2015 at a pure gym. And in 2016, I decided I wanted to step on stage. So I did so originally with the UK BFF. They were sort of the federation to go to back in the day. They're not anymore, but they were. <laughs> and it was your route to the IFBB Pro Cards. Everyone sort of gravitated towards the UK BFF. So I started there. I competed 2016, 2017, 2018. At the end of 2018, I transitioned online. So I went from one-to-one -one personal training on the gym floor to online coaching full-time end of 2018 and then I've been online coaching since then so I've been working as a coach since 2015 so like nearly six years now um but yeah competing I first competed 2016 did the three years back to back then decided I needed some time off so I took quite a long improvement season um and then stepped on stage again in 2020 and I went from originally competing with the UK BFF to competing with the PCA and then transitioned over to competing with Two Bros. And my last show was in October in 2020 in Alicante with the IFBB. Um, and then since then, I've sort of taken a step back from competing myself and really sort of gone headfirst into coaching and that being my priority because those of you who've competed yourselves you'll know that it demands a lot of time energy and effort and that time energy effort is now better served for me personally investing in my my coaching services and my business and um that served me so well and also the podcast so I have my own podcast called the female fitness podcast as well no that's brilliant and that's what I like about, in a sense, you've done, you've done it. That's the nice thing. So when you come to a coaching process, you've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, you've done the suffering, you've done the hard time, especially when you've gone from the gym floor and you know, like, especially with pure gym, you're doing like the five hours of free teaching classes, all that sort of stuff. And you've built your way into the industry. What kind of made you, obviously three years back to back with competing, how did you feel I guess through that process as well, because loads of people think, I think it, what it is right now that we see vice versa, competing is very fashionable. It's a very fashionable kind of topic. But when you've done three years, how did you kind of feel off the back of it and even during it? So I think like the first, it was really strange because some preps have been harder than others for different reasons. But I think my first season, I was just so excited to compete that like I loved every minute of it, even though I had to push quite hard to get stage lean. And I didn't place in my first show, but I came away from that season just wanting more and wanting to progress. I knew that I hadn't sort of fulfilled my potential and I just wanted to go away and improve. So I was like, right, I'm competing again next year. Like it was that no one would have been able to convince me otherwise it was like, I'm competing again next year. I want to do better than what I did. So 
I then went away and after not placing my first show, I won the second show that I did that next year. So that's sort of like, you build that momentum and you see that progress and you're like, I want more, like, I know that I can do better. Um, And so it sort of snowballs into you ending up doing back-to-back years. And if I was being sensible after that second season, I think the first two seasons back-to-back were fine because that first season, I only did the one show at the end of the year. It was the one show in October, that was it. And then I went away, took a short improvement season phase and came back the next year. So those first two seasons were doable. They were, yes, it's pushing the limits in regards to like health and things like that. But um, at the end of the day, competing is an extreme anyway. It's not a healthy sport and you're definitely not the epitome of health when you're stage lean. So we're sacrificing our health when we're competing, whether we like it or not, no matter how many seasons we do back to back. So those first two seasons doable. The third season, so in 20. 2018 I actually went to a coach at the time and I said to them I don't know whether I should do an improvement season or whether I should compete this season um but he recommended to me at the time that I compete and make the most of the fact I was still a junior um which in hindsight I mean hindsight is a great thing but in hindsight I probably shouldn't have stepped on stage in 2018 and I should have taken that year as an improvement phase but I took on the advice of the coach that I went to at the time and I did compete. And I think that was the year that really sort of pushed the boundaries for me. So I got out the end of that season and was pretty battered. Um, and I I struggled and it took me a long time to recover from that contest prep from a health perspective um, in terms of like regaining my menstrual cycle and then getting that back to being regular. It, I think that's the one season where I felt challenged from a relationship with food perspective when I came out of that prep. I was, I've never struggled with like binge eating or any other eating disorders or anything like that, but it's the one year where I felt like that really pushed my boundaries. I was very food focused coming out of the prep um, and I just didn't want any structure. So I stopped tracking my food and um, I was fine, but it was the one year where it did take me a long time to recover and then during that improvement season, I had some blood testing as well. My oestrogen was very, very low. And um, that obviously reflects in the fact that it took me a long time to regain my cycle and a long time for that to become regular. And um, I also had suppressed thyroid function as well. So they were obviously the consequences of pushing my body to that extreme for so long. It took me a long time to recover. And so I took, I think in total, it was like nearly two years away from a calorie deficit. So completely out of deficit and then competed again in 2020. And that was another long season because I started my prep in the February, expecting to compete in July. But obviously because of the coronavirus, the shows got pushed back. So my shows were actually like September and October. So I was dieting all the way from February to like October. So again, it was another long season. Oh, how did you, <laughs> another long... I was going to say, how do you find that? Because obviously that's, that's more of a mental fuck more than anything, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm X amount of weeks out. And now you're like, okay, now I'm two months out. And, now, and then you're like, well, I don't know how many months out I am sort of thing. How did you, because yeah. I think, how did you deal from that from a mental aspect? So I think when I went into that prep, 
I was so adamant that I was competing that year because I'd had such a long improvement season and I knew that I would have made a lot of progress. I was so ready for that prep, like mentally. So I was very resilient in terms of like, I was going to get to the stage no matter when it was, I was going to continue that prep. So I continued. And then when we got to the point where the gym's short, I trained at home for a little bit. And what I ended up doing was running a bit of a diet break. So bringing myself up to maintenance for like four weeks or so. Um, and that helped massively, actually. That was really, it was a structured diet break. So I was still tracking really meticulously. I was still doing my steps, my cardio, all that jazz. It wasn't the kind of diet break where you just sort of like eat whatever the hell you want and stop training and stop doing your steps and cardio and all that jazz so it was a very structured diet break it did me the world of good from a physique perspective I was able to push my training performance a little bit so I saw that as a positive thing and then got back into a deficit I went through a lot of life changes in 2020 it was a bit of a crazy year so then I was coaching myself initially at the start of prep when things got a little bit crazy and hectic and the coronavirus happened, a lot of life changes happened. I got in touch with Callum, who is the muscle mentors, Callum, for any of you who don't know. Um, and I said to him, look, I, I just need some guidance. Will you take over my prep? And he was like, yeah. So he helped massively and he took a lot of stress off of me so that I could just focus on coaching my clients and sort of get my head down with my own prep rather than thinking about my own protocols. So having Callum's guidance helped me massively in 2020. Um, and yeah, I, I'm the type of person who goes quite robotic when they're in a contest prep and I sort of shut off everything else and just go laser focused on the end goal of getting on stage so I think a lot of what I was going through what I went through in 2020 I sort of avoided and then after the prep I was like oh shit I've been through a lot so <laughs> it was time for like to, for me to get out of that prep and I knew that I wouldn't be um competing again this year even if I did decide I still wanted to be an athlete myself I knew that this year was off the cards because I just needed to again recover from that prep um, and take a little bit of a step back from all of the stress I put my body under really because it was a big year yeah 100% I think that's the thing is that like actually like when you go through any form of dieting phase right it's it's a short period of time compared to life so it's like it could be 16 20 weeks and then when you take you just have to look at be like well actually it's not that long so you do just have to be robot mode for x amount of time and that is how you get the job done that is how you deliver incredible results so it's kind of getting in, getting out as quickly as possible. Well, like you say, when you're in that, you neglect so much. I liked it on your last podcast as well, when you're actually like taking time out for family. Like you don't do that in prep. As much as you like the idea of doing it, you're like, oh, I'll do it this time. Like you've done what, four, four competition preps, five, four, four. Um, yeah. And, is that right? Four. Yeah. So yeah, it's like every time. Years. Yeah. So every time you probably yeah. like, right, this one, I'm going to try and see family I'm going to try and do something and I guarantee you every time you just never do so actually when you yeah. come back of it especially after 2020 prep you're like actually I just need to bring back life a little bit more 100 yeah, percent exactly like there's there's no time for um well there's not much time for other aspects of life away from you've got your steps to do you've got cardio almost daily you've got at least like two hours of training almost daily again 
Um, and on top of that, you've got your work commitments. You've got to make sure that you're managing stress to the best of your ability, that you're sleeping well. There is, there's barely any time to spare once you have got all of those boxes ticked. So competition prep is such a huge commitment. And I think people underestimate that quite a lot. They just think, oh, like it's just a diet. Like, and then I'm going to get on stage in a sparkly bikini. It looks quite glamorous and all of that, but it requires so much from you and you have to be willing to sacrifice your social life. You have to be willing to sacrifice like balance and going out for food, going out for drinks. Put it this way. I remember I went for like drinks with my friends. Obviously I wasn't drinking, but I went there to, to be present, to sit there. And I could just feel myself like falling asleep at the table at like 9 p.m. So it's just not feasible to maintain the same social life that you would out of competition prep. And you have limited time for anything other than like training, nutrition and all of that jazz. Yeah, 100%. What's your, okay, so what's your, I've spoken to this a couple of times. What's your opinion on balance? Um, I think it's different. Balance is something which is individual, I think. Um, because like some someone's version of balance might be having the weekend completely off and being able to, um, I don't know, go socialize, do whatever the hell they want for the entire weekend. Someone else's version of balance, like someone who is very committed to their business and their work or whatever, they might just be able to have Saturday night and Sunday night to be able to spend with their partner or their friends or their family or whatever. And they might, their version of balance might be doing a few hours of work on a Saturday and a Sunday morning so that they can then enjoy the evening. Yeah. So that's just in the example of work, of course, but that also applies to training and nutrition. So a competitor's version of balance might be getting all of their training steps, cardio done earlier in the day so that they can spend the evening with their partner but still not eat or drink anything with them prep their meals whereas a general population client's version of balance might be okay I'm going to have a meal with my partner and track it into my targets or just have the night off tracking so that's an example in regards to nutrition as well so yeah it's I think it's something which is individual and sometimes people use it as an excuse to slack a little bit. Yeah, 100%. I think it is just one of those things. It comes down to a lot of it's self-awareness. Like you need to be self-aware of what you potentially want from goals, your life, anything around you. And then I always think of it as just actually like, think of it just like driving a car. It's like Monday to Thursday, just put the throttle down sort of thing. And then like, again, if you just want to chill on the weekends, you still accelerate, but just put like ease off. So just go to 80% sort of thing. So it could just be like, well, have a meal out and things like that. Just having that kind of back of, you're still driving towards what you want to achieve, whether that's like your career or whatever it may be, your your fitness goals, anything like that. But you just learn to kind of slow down a little bit. Cause I think you touched on it as well. It's like, you're always gonna like, especially when you're running your own business and you're training, you're doing your own training, things like that. You are, it is, it's like, it is 16 hour days. It's not like some days, but it is just learning to be like, right, I just need to like block out certain hours and I just need to have these certain sections of the day where I just do me sort of thing. And I think that's almost the definition of balance, is it? Like you say, it just comes down to the individual and their approach to it. 
yeah like your actions have to reflect your end goal if you've got an extreme end goal then your actions are going to have to be relatively extreme and there'll there'll be less room for for balance and downtime and you have to accept that if you do have an extreme goal but what I was talking about on my podcast which I think is a really important point is that whatever you're doing it's really important to focus on that task at hand and it actually becomes very unproductive if you're trying to for example like work 24 7 so if I was at a social occasion and I was having a meal with my family or uh, my other half or whatever and under the table I was trying to reply to clients on whatsapp I'm giving like half of myself to both of those situations and I'm not producing my best self for either of those people, the cl- the replies to my clients would be shit because I'm at a social occasion trying to do it discreetly, and I also wouldn't be fully present with my family or my other half or whatever because I'm trying to reply to my clients on the table. So I'm not giving my best self to either of those situations to work or to be in present and enjoying some downtime. Whereas if I was just to be present, enjoy the downtime and then go back into work at a later point when I'm supposed to be working, when I'm fully focused on that task and when I'm fresh from enjoying that downtime, the quality of work that I produce is gonna be so much better. So rather than trying to do everything at once, allow yourself some downtime, allow yourself to be fully present and then work when you're supposed to be working. Yeah, It comes down to the, like, the old quote, it's like just quality over quantity, same sort of thing. It's just like, I, I- it's you can relate it to anything it's like I think that's what people get confused at with fitness as well they're like right I need to do all this and I need to be doing it all the time I'm like it's like train I need to do train seven days a week I'm like you don't you really don't <laughs> like you don't need to do as much as you think you just need to do it extremely well and this come down to anything like you say like right I'm, for the next hour I'm going to be in this moment talking to you and things like that I think being in the presence such a strong skill to learn And I know coming from like an anxiety background, for me, I'm like being in the moment is probably the strongest skill that I've learned. Because when you kind of have anxiety, you feel anxious, you're always thinking about, oh, the future or what if and things like that, but you're actually not controlling the now. And this is an easy thing, especially when you're dieting or you're in prep, you're like, oh my God, like you do a checking, oh my God, like just, you know, they're not a great checking picture. I'm like, okay, cool. It's over. Like, what can we control now that's going to make the next checking pictures good, vice versa? Or what can you do now that's going to make you better in that seven weeks that's it yeah I completely agree like it's so so important and you're you're not going to achieve anything really over stressing over the future and looking it's one thing I found really beneficial actually I used to like look at my diary and get really stressed out if I had lots of things in the future it's like no like why am I worrying about what I've got to do next week like just focus on now today what I need to do today and then we can worry about that when the time comes and enjoy that in the present (laughs) yeah 100% and that's always like it's like when people I think that's what people are scared of it's like worrying about the what ifs and I'm like they haven't happened yet so don't be afraid of it and also it's like yeah nothing to be afraid of because nothing's happened it's like being afraid of like oh what this plane might crash but like but it hasn't so don't be afraid of it it's like when it starts to like crash then shit yourself sort of thing but in the meantime enjoy the flight that's literally how you can think of it so it's cool what's um what's what's your focus at the moment because obviously you've done an interesting transition 
like obviously I know that you're still coaching a lot of girls that are prepping all this sort of stuff that want to step on bodybuilding stages and stuff like that but you kind of took a very kind of like a nice a nice lifestyle kind of mixing up a little bit right now yeah so you could say I have a lot more balance in my life now like I I'm much more flexible with nutrition I sometimes I'll track sometimes I won't and I'll go through different phases sometimes I'll track to just give me an idea of where I'm at but a lot of the time I just won't use my fitness pal and I'll just sort of listen to my hunger cues but when I say that please do bear in mind the fact that I have tracked for like five years so it's pretty much like ingrained in me and I know what I need to do in order to progress towards whatever goals I have I know roughly how much I need to eat to maintain where I'm at and fuel my performance so please do bear that in mind like when you're first starting out I think tracking can be a really useful tool um so that's where I'm at with nutrition I'm very flexible I'm open to eating out but I have a lot of education on nutrition so I can control that relatively easily and in terms of training, I have, I'm mostly training at a CrossFit box at the moment. I do still do some like glute hamstring bodybuilding style work over the week because aesthetically, I have no shame in saying that I want good glutes and hamstrings. Um, but other than that, I'm mostly doing CrossFit training and I'm really enjoying it. It's nice because I'm now at a point from a physique perspective where I'm quite happy in my own skin. And I am not too bothered about actively pursuing hypertrophy or making maximal progress with hypertrophy other than it, through my glutes and hamstrings. So it's not therefore important for me to train in a, in a way that is optimal for hypertrophy because that's not my goal. So doing CrossFit and having more of a performance focus and a fitness focus is serving me really well at the moment and it's really enjoyable and it's also really nice because it's completely different from what I do from a work perspective so that hour where I'm in that CrossFit session I am completely focused on that session and I switched off from everything else and that's really nice and it's serving me really well and my training also takes up less time than when I was bodybuilding as well. So it gives me more time. I'm fitter than I've ever been. And I'm probably stronger than I've ever been. And it's good fun. And it's a really nice community there. And I've actually entered um, a team competition for a bit of fun as well, which is next weekend. So we'll see how that goes. I'll probably be written off after that. But yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> so what's involved with that because I know I worked at um I was in gym box in Covent Garden and there was a lot of CrossFit guys there and they kind of have different things because some events you don't have any Olympic lifting and some events you do are you doing yeah. Olympic lifts in your competition or are you keeping it all kind of like I, I like more functional if that makes sense yeah so on the day there's there's a lift is the clean on the day so we've got one clean, one hand clean, one squat. Um, and then we go on to the like wad section and there's three different wads. And to be honest, it looks absolutely brutal. Um, however, it does include, it does include deadlifts, which is like my favorite part of CrossFit because obviously coming from a bodybuilding background, I have a really strong deadlift and a lot of CrossFitters are stronger at the Olympic lifts than they are deadlifting. So I absolutely love it when award includes deadlifts because it's like my time to shine yeah, yeah. so um, yeah this ward includes deadlifts there's like burpees in there as well I don't mind burpees 
but there's also some new movements which I haven't done such as the rope climb um, and the, the worm so I'm gonna have to give those a crack on Sunday and see how I get on but because it's a team event it's like the work is split across three of us so we'll see how that goes but yeah CrossFit's been great and like I said it's not what I want you guys to recognize is that it's not the most optimal form of training if you want to maximally progress with hypertrophy. However, that's no longer my goal anymore and I'm enjoying getting fitter and stronger and I will easily maintain the muscle tissue that I'm carrying via doing CrossFit and a bit of top-up work because it's very taxing um, and it obviously, it requires a lot less volume to maintain the muscle tissue that you've got in comparison to trying to build muscle tissue. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the nice thing you said it is like, it's absolutely fine to be like, for five years, you've been the bodybuilding girl. In a sense, you've been the bikini girl. And it's absolutely fine. I think making that transition can be quite mentally challenging. You're like, well, bodybuilding competing defines me. So sometimes when you trash yeah. into the CrossFit world, initially you're like, oh, you know, like, well, this is a, this, it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. But because your job is to coach, in a sense, bodybuilding prep girls who want to get leaner, feel more confident, so actually you kind of diverting down a different route can probably just think, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? But actually you're doing what's right for you. And that's the most important thing you can ever do. And I think I like huge respect for that because I found that coming from a sporting background. I'm like, I've spent almost seven years at a national level. And I think, and then I just got to say to my, I'm done. But then yeah. since you were 14 years old, all you were known for is that. So you're like, well, what's, what's my purpose? Yeah it's very easy for like a particular sport or like a way of training to almost become a part of your identity but at the end of the day you've got to do what's right for you at each moment in time and obviously I loved competing I absolutely loved it but I got to the point where I was more excited to see my clients succeed and I was more excited and more invested into coaching than I was being in the limelight myself and stepping on stage so that was the point for me where I was like, right, okay, so is it worth the investment that I'm putting into competing right now? Or would I be much better off placing that investment in coaching and my business? Because that's what I'm enjoying more of. And I would also be able to have more quote unquote balance and have more of a life outside of competing if I was to invest that time, energy, effort into business and coaching as opposed to myself competing. Um, and I'd also, you know, it was, it got to a point where I was like, you know, I need to invest some time and energy and effort into my health now as I pushed my body to the extreme for five years and it takes its toll you can only do that for so long and expect to recover from it in my opinion so it was time for me to invest in my health a little bit more and that's where I'm at now when I feel really good within myself um like physically and mentally um and it, that's just I got to the point where I was like okay this is no longer serving me it's time to go a different direction and I just allowed that I know there's a lot of people who might struggle with that and at first I didn't post about it on Instagram or anything like that but then I was like this is this is a change in my life which I want to share and hopefully it will sort of help anyone else who wants to make a transition 
away from a certain thing feel like that's okay and help them pursue what's really right for them and what makes them happy and teach people that it's okay for your priorities and your goals and your values to change and it's important to allow that yeah and that's the thing is like your your why your goal is always going to transform for the rest of your life it's almost like saying calories i'm like it's going to change it's going to change just like that i'm like you have one passion and then you dive it could be like dating like i'm really into this person for a year and then i'm like i'm not so much into them and that's absolutely fine. And then you divert going on, then you must date that dating someone else who so have a new goal. That's exactly the same. It's like, and it's important for that because that's how you evolve and you become a better, a better individual and vice versa, especially as coaching now, like you're going to be a better coach because you're like, well, actually I can potentially think of like CrossFit stuff that I can integrate into that kind of bodybuilder style of coaching. And actually like, oh, that'll work really well. Because I bet now going into CrossFit, you're like, actually like there's some things that you could transition into bodybuilding like that would like could be fitness side of things like okay cool you could add this in because i'd be fitter in my bodybuilding season sort of thing yeah so it's Definitely. just and it, like obviously i've been through now that transition away from bodybuilding that i've been through many times that transition back to health and um that sort of accepting learning how to accept your body going through that change and um, accept yourself going through that change without thinking oh bodybuilding was my identity who the hell am I now I've learned how to deal with that through experience so hopefully I will be able to help people with that transition themselves as well and that's something valuable for me as a coach and like I said before as well I think the fact that I've taken a step back from bodybuilding myself it it helps because I'm even more sort of passionate and invested with my clients who still bodybuild as well, because it's no longer what I'm doing every single second of the day. So it's not like I'm doing that in my spare time and then I'm coming home and I'm coaching people with bodybuilding. It's like, I get a break from that in my spare time and then I can come sit at my desk and coach people with bodybuilding and that's fine yes. sort of thing. No, it's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. What's kind of, um, what's the focus at the moment when it comes to, I guess, even from a business point of view and things like that? Um, do you have any kind of business goals, anything like that? Or when it even just coaching goals, any girls stepping on stage, stuff like that? So I do have um, a few clients stepping on stage. I have two competing, not this weekend, but next weekend. And I then have Tara, who's competing in PCA first timers in the middle of the season. And then I've got um, quite a few girls competing towards the end of the season in two bros, NFM UK and UKDFBA. Um, and I also, I do coach pretty much like 50-50 competitors and non-competitors. It's just that the non-competitors don't post as much on Instagram. So sometimes it appears as though I pretty much completely coach competitors, but that's not the case. I'm coaching non-competitors as well. And I, I want to make sure that the competitors I am coaching are doing it for the right reasons and they're aware of what they're getting their, themselves into. And I want to make a point of saying that competing isn't right for everybody. And it is a very extreme goal. It's not just something which is a natural progression from going to the gym. And so a lot of people would be so much better off just pursuing their body composition goals without pushing it to that extreme of stepping on stage. And I want to promote health and I want to promote having a certain element of balance, if that's appropriate for an individual 
And so, yeah, I really enjoy coaching non-competitors. And to be honest, I want to do more of that. And from a business perspective, I've recently launched a course called Educating Eight, which is basically an eight-week program, but I'm the person coaching them. So it's not just like an automated thing. I am actually coaching the clients on the course. Um, But it's a little bit less personal than one-to-one coaching. So there's less one-to-one contact time. It's like they will upload their their data and their progress pictures each week. They'll send me a quick message. I'll adjust their protocols. Whereas with one-to-one clients, I voice note check I voice note them in response to their check-ins or send them a really in-depth email response, depending on what tier they're on. Um, And on the course as well, they have weekly educational videos on subjects such as tracking their macros, nutrition for fat loss, nutrition for hypertrophy, sleep and stress management, the menstrual cycle. um, And there's a weekly Facebook Q&A as well. So it's basically a course where they make progress with their body composition related goals but they're also educated throughout the process as well. So that's my current focus, educating eight. Um, And that is me attracting more sort of less clients with less extreme goals. So non-competitors, if you're a competitor, then I would work with someone one-to-one because it needs that level of of contact. But um, the new course that I've launched is really good for people that are like more a beginner level and, also intermediate as well because people can ask whatever questions they want on the weekly Facebook lives um and I am the one coaching people it's not just like an automated thing so that's my current focus at the moment um and yeah I want to like I've been trying to promote a little bit more health in general um as well as keeping the current competitors that I am working with I think that's the thing isn't it because people people assume when they see you or vice versa they're like oh that's all she does or vice versa yeah. it's like I think people it's like oh all you do is get people into photo shoots I'm like well no like because like that's probably like one percent of the world that generally want to do that sort of stuff but most people just actually want to feel more confident and actually when it comes to summer they want to be able to take their top off put a bikini on and walk down the beach take a selfie and feel fucking good and that's the yeah. shit and I'm like if you can in a sense if someone wants to drop two dress sizes and they've been struggling for a year and you can help them achieve that in X amount of time, but then they've achieved that goal and they have the knowledge then to live the rest 60, 70 years of their life happy and feeling good. I'm like, that's the biggest achievement. And I think like people get very easily dragged into thinking like, oh, I'd love to do like a competition, things like that. And like you say, it's like, actually you can be like, cool, let's have a chat and I can probably talk you out of it. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it's that's amazing. I think if people like dig deep and actually listen to themselves and think about what they really want, I think it would be the dream for most people to get to a place where they're actually happy in their own skin and they can maintain the body composition they're sat in, like a decent level of condition while still progressing towards their goals and not sacrificing their menstrual cycle function and their hormone health and all of that jazz in their social life. Like if you can maintain a social life whilst making progress, looking shit hot and enjoying your life, like that's the dream for most people if they really let themselves admit it. So you'd be much better off taking a slightly more balanced approach as opposed to pushing to an extreme and then not being able to maintain that extreme and then struggling with the aftermath of that essentially yeah 100 i think as well it's like i think people uh, people want it 
people don't now i think it's the world we live in now people actually don't want they have goals but i'm like that's not your goal so actually sometimes you have to re- yeah. dig down really deep and emotionally to be like well what's the reason that you want to change because actually what you told me surface level because at the end of the day we all want to get leaner we all want to have a little bit more muscle and we want to feel more confident right that's just the standard but like what's your genuine reason why you want to change we all have a deep reason it's like it could be you could have been bullied it could be anything like I think massively it comes back from years in the past. I did this, started, I started working with like a mental performance coach and like the amount of shit that he unclogs from your mind, you're like, oh my God, I'm actually broken inside. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. And it's coming back from years. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's the reason I do what I do now. That's it. So yeah. dig deep. And I think sometimes people use extreme goals such as competing to mask other issues that they have going on. Because like I said, it takes so much time, energy, effort that you don't have much brain space for anything else. So if you're struggling with something, people almost use competing, stepping on stage or any other extreme goal as like a coping mechanism because it's the only thing that they can actually control. And they're then distracted from any of the problems that they have going on. But what they don't acknowledge is the fact that any of those problems are going to be there 10 times worse once they've actually gone through that process because they've just completely ignored them and masked them and not given them any attention or broken down those issues and addressed them. So it's really important to make sure that if you are doing something, you're doing it for the right reasons. And if you're going to pursue an extreme goal, address any issues that you have beforehand or you know, don't ignore them during the process and just use it as a coping mechanism. And I will put my hands up and say, I have definitely used pushing my body to the extreme as a coping mechanism before when I probably shouldn't have done. And I think most people are in the same boat with that. Yeah, I did that. Like my last show, 2018, I think I did that for sure. First year I moved to London, I was like, moving to London just sucks your soul straight away. So I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a whole different ballgame. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll jump on, I'll jump on stage at the end of the year. And you're like, yeah, that was a fucking stupid idea. <laughs> I was like, I was so broken mentally going into it. And I was like, screw it, let's just go. And it is, it's just like putting a plaster over a wound. And then you get to the end and you're like, and then I was like, right. And then you're binge eating and you're doing all this sort of stuff and you're breaking down. You have a couple of days of crying and stuff like that. And you're like, dude, and then you look back and you're like, yeah, definitely was not a good period of my life. And then that's the thing is like, you have to be, I think as a good coach, if that is your goal, that's absolutely fine. But a good coach could be like, actually, almost, almost, it's like a doctor, isn't it? Like, if you take this pill, you could die. It's like giving you the, the, the extreme. And I think it's the same as a coach. A coach should definitely sit you down and be like, do you want this? This is what it requires from A to B. You will have to sacrifice X, Y, and Z to achieve that. And like you right now, if someone said to you, step on stage now, you'd have the confidence to be like, not a fucking chance, sort of thing. Yeah. And it's the same. If someone turned around to me right now, be like, no way, I'm good. Yeah. It's so funny because like now I literally couldn't think of anything worse than going to the <laughs> yeah. But at the time, at the time I did really enjoy it. And it was just, it was the right time in my life. Like I was really enjoying it. Um, I, I wanted to push my body to the extreme, but now I, I have no interest in doing it. I want to be able to put a lot of time, energy, effort into my business. I want to be able to enjoy a social life. That's now my downtime. That's my spare time. It's no longer spent on weighing out my food and worrying about training and steps and cardio and all that jazz. My downtime is now my downtime. And I think having 
being social and having an element of a social life is so important and really underrated we're supposed to be social human beings and it's really good for our health to do so so having that has made a really positive difference to my quality of life and I'm really grateful for that and yeah I'm enjoying sort of just maintaining a, a decent body composition that I'm happy with enjoying a bit of a social life sitting quite comfortably where I'm at um, and enjoying a middle ground approach for myself. So yeah, it's serving me really well. I think that's the thing over, the, especially over the last year we've had, everyone's, I know, obviously going from working in London, everyone, clients used to be like, I can't, I'd love to work from home. I'd love to do this. And then yeah, everyone now is like, get me out of the fucking house. Like I need to see yeah. human beings. It's so funny how we're like, we probably enjoyed the first lockdown, the first month. Like, this is great. Bit like what the fuck's going on, but you're like, okay, this is cool. We can do this. And then a year down the line, you're just like, right, get me out and get me seeing people. It's amazing. Like, I'm, I'm good with my own company, super good. But it got to the stage where I was just like, like I need, I, I, I need to like talk to someone. Like, I need to touch someone. It was like, it was weird. And it just goes to show that like, actually just having that probably for this year, most people's goals, unless you're going to take it to the stream, is actually just like, actually, how can I go out? How can I go on a holiday? And how can I do all this and still achieve what I want to achieve? And it is going to be that cliche thing like actually it's going to be a balanced year i think enjoy this year because we've had a year of like doing fuck all so yeah and going back to that point as well what i said like i couldn't think of anything worse than competing right now again like i said at the start it takes a long time to recover from a competition prep and i'm like i just don't want to go through that again like i don't want to go through the the recovery process again it's just not in my interest and when people do consider competing don't just consider the competition prep consider the six plus months it's going to take to actually recover from that as well and it's a really difficult process to go through like yeah. you know through a prep you're gonna potentially lose your menstrual cycle lose your sex drive lose your social life you're literally committing everything to this goal of stepping on stage if you want a maintainable end product then do a less extreme version of that and sort of um, aim for a body composition which you can actually sustain because we literally are stage lean for one day, that's it. And then that process is reversed. Yeah, 100%. That's why I think it's always nice, like, right, just summer body, leaner, yeah. tighter, sexier. Super simple. Because with that, like, guys, you could probably have abs popping through pretty comfortably, like a nice little ab definition. Girls, you can have like that tight waist, everything like that. Glutes are popping still. And then you're like, and then you're eating a burger at the end of the day. Perfect. That's it. it. So no, it's yeah. absolutely brilliant. No, absolutely spot on. What's kind of, um, everyone loves it. What's the day in the life look like for you at the moment? How's your routine laid out? The day in the life? Well, I usually get up at like six, half six, and I'll just go for a walk in the morning, literally just half an hour walk near where I live. And then sometimes it depends. Like at the moment, I've got um, Emily and Millie who are quite close to their shows. So whilst I'm on that walk at the minute, I will do some work and I'll respond to them. But when I've not got clients close to shows, I'll try and listen to a podcast or something on that walk. Yeah. And then I'll just basically come back and crack on with work. Um, at the moment, I'm going to CrossFit at like 9.30 in the morning most, of, most days. That's an hour. And then I'll come back, shower, get ready, and then just mainly work for the rest of the day. Um, and 
try and chill out in the evenings but Wednesday and Thursday evenings at the moment I have like client Q&A's on Facebook so that's at 7 30 p.m so after that I'll start to wind down and then go to bed um but yeah generally that's sort of me um and then on a Saturday I'm doing a glute hamstring session at the gym so that's usually like late morning early afternoon and in the run-up to that I have my educating eight check-ins on a Saturday so I'll get back to them I'll go to the gym and I'll try and enjoy some downtime in the evening with like other half friends family um but yeah a day in the life it's pretty full of work to be honest at the moment like it is pretty full on but that's okay with me what I have enjoyed recently is going to a coffee shop every now and again for work after I've got back from CrossFit showered and got ready go and sit in a coffee shop for a few hours and it's nice to just have a change of scenery after being in my flat for like the last two years or whatever it's been (laughs) seems like a long time um but yeah so generally just go for a few walks train work nothing crazy nothing too exciting (laughs) I always think that people like oh like I think as well it's kind of this thing it's like oh you know like everything seems really good and you're like I do the same shit every day our days are actually exactly the same we wake up at the same time do a little bit of work go to the gym and then it's literally the same routine on there like onwards so it's absolutely yeah, yeah. much identical and then again like you just work weekends it's just a very normal thing like yeah i'll try and take a bit of time off like um i said on a saturday evening um i'll try and chill out a little bit and in the evenings through the week i will try but sometimes i will switch off later than most people and i'm sure you're the same like for example, on Wednesday and Thursday evenings, when I have my client Q and A at seven thirty PM, like I'm switching off at eight thirty nine, which is obviously quite late in comparison to some people. Other nights I'll try and switch off a little bit earlier, but it's something that I'm trying to get better at, and I find it easier to switch off when I'm with somebody. So like if I'm with someone that I'm seeing, or like friends, family, whatever, I find it easier to switch off because if I'm on my own and I'm trying to switch off, all I'm thinking is, oh, I could just be doing something right yeah. now. Like I could just be doing a bit of programming yeah. or like replying some messages. So it's just really hard. <laughs> I almost need, it's the same as like, I need a distraction sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's quite funny. I, I, did, um, I did a podcast the other day and we were talking about, actually, I don't need to switch off. I need to switch on to something else. And I was like, it's a really good mentality of doing it. So like, if you do want downtime, it's like, right, I'm going to go and do this activity or I'm going to do make a puzzle or I'm going to play a game like switch on to something else that kind of switches you off from working I think that's especially if you're like you're like well I could be like you said it's like well I don't want to waste an hour because I could be more productive in this hour and actually when like like putting in new girls on on Netflix or something it's probably the most beneficial thing you could do really but yeah one thing I I do and I'm quite consistent with is I do journal in the evenings so like before I go to bed do a little bit of journaling so I'll just write down my thoughts about things ask myself a few questions um I'll plan out the next day and then I'll go and read in bed before I go to sleep and that's something that I find really beneficial just to get my attention away from my laptop and my phone um so yeah reading and journaling are two things that I find really beneficial yeah, I need to start. I need to start. Well, I say, I say reading. It takes me ages to read. I'm like the worst dyslexic. I know I keep using that, but I'm like, I have started reading, but I'm just all audiobooks all the time. But then I feel like I would like to like be the old man that like gets a chair, sits out somewhere and just reads a book. I like I like the idea of that. So it's cool. But no, honestly, it's absolutely been uh, we could ramble for ages. So if you could give 
anybody a piece of advice today that will take them 1% further, that one step further tomorrow, what would that be? Take action rather than thinking about things for too long. Like that, that's something that I've started doing more as well, rather than overthinking things. And like, I don't know, sometimes people will come up with an idea and then they'll think about it for months and months and months and months before actually doing anything. Whereas if you just start doing it, for example, if you want to set up a podcast, like just do it rather than thinking about it and start recording rather than trying to be perfect straight away. Like just take action rather than thinking about things too much. Yeah, no, hundred percent because that's it. Like I bet loads of people came up with the idea of Facebook X amount of years ago, but one guy just thought, actually, I'm just going to do it. Same sort of thing. It's the same as like, it's like fitness. You're like, well, I'll start Monday. I'm like, just start now. Just do it. Like just go for a walk now and you're done. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely brilliant. Love. No, it's absolutely amazing to catch up and amazing to talk to you and for sure we'll definitely catch up very soon thank you for having me no worries anytime